Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Okay, I covered everybody. Because I, I wanted to say this before I got a lovely guest. I, I said good afternoon. I said, no, 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 it's evening. How late? Oh, it's 11.30. Okay, fine. So I'm covering everybody today. My name is Bennett Pomerantz. The show is Anything Goes. And I talk with authors and writers and, and, and media personalities. And I just wanted to tell you, the lady I have on this evening, I've had on before, she's intelligent mystery writer. I've read other mystery writers, and I'm like, and? You know, it's like, she doesn't write romance. She writes mystery, and it's very good. Ladies and gentlemen, Jennifer Chase. Hi Bennett. You are, Hi everyone. Are you there? I'm I'm no, here. I'm, oh, good, I'm glad. Oh, and I hear the dog. Oh, I love him. I'm sorry okay. about that. <laughs> I couldn't have an no, interview no, without the dog. I, hey, the dog is <laughs> fine. I love the dog. I I I keep seeing on your Facebook pictures of the dog in the swimming pool. So that's yes. you know. I can't wait. They kind of go hand in hand. People. Yeah, I know. Well, he's he's kind of funny, you know. He's a he's a German Shepherd breed, and you know, it's not like having a lab where they'll just do belly flops in your pool. So he's more about. I don't know if I trust this pool. <laughs> so that's kind of where he's at right now. Well, okay. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question that's been plaguing me. And it's plaguing me because, and I must be using the wrong word, but uh, when you start on a mystery, do you have a preconceived notion or do you do it, you know, dare I say, wing it or, or what? You're talking about an interview? No, I'm talking a mystery. I'm talking a book. A book. Well, you know, being a writer, and I'm sure a lot of writers can say this, is that there's always a mystery going on in our heads. <laughs> We're always thinking about, you know, storylines, characters, clues, you know, bad guys. Um, I I don't do an oh, you know, a lot of um, outlining. I do kind of a roadmap because things can change as you go along. Something will come to your mind and you'll go, oh, there's a better way of doing that. Or, ooh, I want to drop a red herring here. So I think, uh, you know, basically my life is filled with mystery. <laughs> and, and what does your husband think about that? Well, you know, we've been married for quite a while, so I think he thinks it's fine. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think being married to a writer is probably pretty tough. You've got ups and downs. And, you know, when you're on a deadline, it can get kind of kind of intense. So, and you have to be left alone. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes on, you know, with people who are married to writers, I think. I think they're special people, too. Well, that's all that matters. But, okay, when you let, – let's go this way. How much of the concept 
do you have before you get to paper? Because, and by the way, thank you. You have a a, comp, a competitor. Her name is Jennifer. She's also Jennifer, and she has asked, you know, how much. I can't say clutter. Clutter is the wrong word. How much stuff do you have to get to before your book gets to being typed out, to being outlined? Well, I know I'm, you don't really I'm know. actually. Well, it's fun. It's funny. I have kind of an overview just because I want to make sure that my story has enough, you know, grit to it. In other words, um, that there is definitely a story there. There is enough room to, you know, build it up and you have enough clues sprinkled in. You have enough characters, but not too many. Um, I am a, I have to say, I think I have a problem with sticky notes. I love sticky notes, and I use them for when I'm um, going through and, you know, kind of fleshing out certain scenes. I I have sticky notes all over the place, and I move those around, and I get rid of some, and then I have a little bit of my outline. And I do, for the most part, know approximately how many chapters I'm going to have. So I kind of make sure it's kind of like a screenplay where you've got your setup, you've got the, the meat of the book, the, the metal part, and then how, you know, your twists and turns and, you know, the ending. So I don't know. I don't, I try not to use too much paper, but I think, I think uh, I probably keep the sticky notes factory, you know, in business. Yeah. Oh, you and me both. I mean, I have enough sticky notes around my house <laughs> I love them, and I had to start. It's it's funny. I had to start putting them up higher because I would come back to my desk, and I'm like, what did I do with those? And my dog, believe it or not, the same dog by the pool, he would move them. He didn't tear them up or eat them. You know, um, German Shepherds are very, um, you know, they've got their certain – way of doing things a little OCD and he was moving my sticky notes for me <laughs> it was funny I couldn't figure out for a while what was going on there wasn't dog slobber Did on them or anything like that sort of order or what? <laughs> well it made sense to him <laughs> uh, it made sense to him obviously I don't know you know and they're in different colors and I'm you know I've always wondered it's like is he seeing because they're in different colors, you know, I have different things like when it has to do with the clues. I want to make sure, you know, the there isn't anything hanging there because I know that's really annoying to readers if, well, what, what about that? You know, what about that clue? So I have kind of a clue pile and, you know, and then the suspects and things I'm moving around in the story. But. So let me ask you because it's been asked to me many times. Uh, okay. You have your book done. Do you not leave red herrings, but do you uh, leave extra clues for an upcoming book or for any further? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Now, it'll come to me. Kind of give it. it. So, you know. Go ahead. You mean like leaving something that kind of lets readers go, hmm, I wonder if that's going to be in the next story, kind of like a little a little clue uh, in there. Is yes. that what you mean? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I hadn't really thought – I thought about that. Um, this uh, I um, this series I'm uh, published with Book A Tour, and it's for three books, and they wanted to see – you know, I had to pitch all three books and everything to them. And one of the books actually will have a character, a new character coming in that will be in the following book. So it was one of the first times I've really done that. And uh, it'll kind of give, you know, readers an idea like, hmm, I wonder who that is. I wonder what's going to happen. But they will be a part of the next book. But. Are you con- going to continue that character, or are you going to kill him? I'd say kill him off. <laughs> Transfer him off. Whatever. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, people get really mad when you um, kill certain people off, and um, not main characters, but you know, I do get some. I do get some letters. Um, this latest book in in um, the Detective Katie Scott series. Um, 
it was actually her aunt that was murdered in it and her uncle becomes the prime suspect. And some people were a little mad, but then they forgave me as they read the book. So, but um, that's what, she wasn't a main character, but she was a lovely character. And so I think people got mad at me for killing her, but it did make the suspense a lot higher. It really ratcheted up things for her, for the main character, because being family and she wasn't allowed to, uh, work on the investigation, but of course, you know, she's going to find a way to, you know, try to find the killer herself. So, but, uh, that was the only time that people have gotten kind of just a little bit mad. Well, okay. I, I'm not trying to, to tout your record. How many books do you have now out? Um, let's see. Twelve. I'm sorry. I had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> I, have I know. I'm, I'm a stinker. Um, but you have 12 books out, okay? Have you ever thought of getting a character you had in the, say, the third book and put it in the 13th book or the 14th book? Oh, sure. It depends on the storyline. Uh, some of the characters... I've written some of the supporting characters. I think, oh, you know, I really like these characters. You become really attached to them. And, in fact, in my Emily Stone series, the thriller series, um, I actually have a couple of uh, novellas that um, they're a little bit, you know, rough draft. But each one of them is with a character that's been in her previous, in the previous books. And it's a story that, you know, highlights them as well as Emily Stone. And uh, I, that's why that came to me, um, because some of these characters were, I felt were, were good characters, a little interesting, and then you never see them again. And I thought, well, what a great way, you know, to have kind of a, a spinoff where, um, you know, it highlights that character mm-hmm. in a shorter, not a short story, but a novella. So you actually you know, get to get into the, the book a little bit more. Tony asks, how, how long does it take you to write a book? Well, I've been pushing myself to the limit. I didn't think I could actually write a first draft in as little of time <laughs> that I've done my last two books. Um, I've had a lot going on in my life. I made a major move, and during that time, I was, you know, was writing a book and under contract. So, I comfortably like to take about two months to write a, a manuscript. And my first draft is a pretty good draft. I spend a lot of time on it, um, but I have written a complete ninety thousand word novel in three and a half weeks. And I know some people are speedy and can do it. Um, I was, uh, it's not my favorite to write that quickly. It's very stressful because you're writing a story with a lot of stress in it as well. So, you know, you want your readers to, you know, feel the stress and anxiety of your main character as they're, you know, going through, you know, the investigation and all these other things going on. So I I wouldn't suggest being a speedy three or four week, you know, for your full first draft. Two months, I'm really comfortable. As long as you, I start writing after I have most of my, if I have to do research. So I, I start after that. Sometimes I have to stop and go, okay, I can't remember how to spell such and such, you know, in forensics. Sometimes there's some really weird words that I have to stop <laughs> and look up. I know I must drive my editor nuts. And, and, like, and what's your favorite lookup word lately? Um, for some reason, there's always this, why is there always the same words that give you trouble? I I cannot figure it out. I know, like once I you know. learn it, well, it's the breakdown of like DNA, uh, mitochondrial, which sounds like an easy word. There's just words um, that I have to stop and go, okay, like one, two, three. I can't spell this. Um, and you know the, those pesty words that you seem to repeat a lot in a manuscript. <laughs> I've been getting better. Um, I sit down and and kind of make a list of words I have a tendency to 
use a lot. And then I sit down and I try to come up with like 10 or 15 other words that are just as good. So, you know, I think when you're trying to get the whole story down and everything across, it's just, it's just easy. You kind of fall back in and, you know, put some of the same words. So tell me about your new book. The latest one that's out in this detective series is called Flowers on Her Grave. And it is uh, in my main character, Detective Katie Scott. She's an ex-Army um, uh, canine explosive, you know, handler. And uh, so she's, uh, she came home, and she, uh, she had been a police officer for a couple of years before she went into the Army with personal reasons. So she had kind of came back with a lot of baggage. Um, she was able to bring her military dog home through a lot of red tape. So she's now uh, working as a detective for their cold case unit. And it's kind of a new department, so they're trying it out. And uh, so she gets a lot of really interesting, uh, a lot of times people think cold cases are all homicides, and they're not necessarily all, you know, murder cases. They can be missing persons. They can be arson cases. Um, so she definitely has her work cut out for, and they didn't have a place to have her work. So what they, what they did was they had extra offices in the forensic division. So actually her office in the cold case, the whole cold case unit is actually in the forensic building. So it's a little bit different, and she does have a deputy that's helping her. But uh, this particular one this is the third one in the series. Um, all of them, the first two and, and this one included, they're all, they can be standalone. But this is the one where her aunt uh, was found brutally murdered and her uncle is the prime suspect. And to make matters more complicated, her uncle is also the sheriff. So gets uh, pretty dicey and she's not supposed to work on that case. Well, you know, that's not going to stop her. So she's finding ways of you know, checking some things out. Um, she picked up one of the cold cases that was uh, a very similar victim. <clears throat> the victim wounds are very similar to her aunt, so she could kind of almost shadow the case, you know, her uncle's case. So it's, I, it's, I know uh, she could shadow it, and it's a novel, I, but can we do, um, is it, too close to reality sometimes when you're doing it? You know, especially with just so many things today. Um, sometimes when I do write, I think, um, I hope somebody doesn't pick up this novel thinking, oh, this is going to be a, you know, a summer read. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have reached out to me who have had family members being uh, victims of serial killers and things like that. So sometimes, you know, I do think about that. Sometimes I do think that, gosh, you know, these are more realistic. It's not like you're writing a fantasy or more of a cozy mystery, which I love to read myself. Um, you know, sometimes these are very reality-based. And the things that um, – one of the things I'm actually very um, – just very happy about it. I just received a letter just recently since my main character suffers she has she suffers through PTSD when I first outlined this character I really didn't want to make it seem you know people who suffer from these things I didn't want to make it seem you know just very contrived and very you know like it's not that big of a deal I wanted to make sure that it was like it gave, you know, brought this to people's attention so they could see in this character. And I've been receiving so many letters of people thanking me. And I just, that's like, if I never sell another book, it just knowing that people just say, thank you, you know, thank you for bringing that to people's attention. So they understand, you know, PTSD or mental illness, you know, any of these type of things that so many people suffer from, you know, to the attention, you know, this is how it is. This isn't something, um, but that brings a lot of realism in there, like you said. So I do think about things like that. I do think about like uh, things like the politics, the police departments, you know, mental illness and murder and all these things, you know, you, you do kind of bear some responsibility of um, how you present it. 
and it's you're presenting it as entertainment. So, yeah, you know that's that's you know I do think about the that. With, the problem with entertainment, and I say this, I love mysteries. Have you ever thought of going and writing? Somebody asked this already. Uh, like, uh, a cozy mystery, or one of the other you know, kind of. I, I have. Not- I, I I love cozy mysteries. I love these mysteries that are coming out where they have to do with where they have these really cute titles like the cat and the quilt mysteries and things like that and things you see on Hallmark. I'm a Hallmark fan, and I think oh you know that's just you know such a that's such a nice story with a nice ending. Even though there was a murder in it, it didn't seem that depressing you know <laughs> as opposed to when you're writing like a you know, a, a crime Jesus, fiction procedural. You took my next question. That's, that's, okay. <laughs> no, but. Sorry about that. Have you ever thought of putting or if Hallmark came up to you and said, hi, we want to give you a little money and, and, and you help co-produce this mystery for our show, our, our network. Would right. you do it? Heck yeah. Would. I certainly, I would. I would. Because I think, you know, I believe me, I love crime fiction. I love forensics. I love a good mystery. But also, you know, there's more to it than that. There's, you know, stories of um, relationships and just fun things. Um, you can make the cozy mysteries are great because you can make them much more lighthearted. So you can concentrate more on, you know, fun kind of quirky, upbeat characters. And of course, there has to they, be a love they, story. They own an antique shop and they do mysteries on the side or something. Yeah, I watch them. I actually do really like them. My husband kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. He goes, "Are you watching that again?" I said, "Yeah, I like it because it's not heavy. It's not like." You're going to watch the end of it and go, wow, that was good. And then you're kind of de- depressed for the next hour because it's very intense. It isn't. It's more light. And I think we do need more um, just a little things that are, you know, lighter stories. There's a place for everything, really. Um, that's why I haven't – I had thought about doing some true crime, and I, it just takes a tremendous amount of time. And, and I think – that's pretty serious and, and uh, I think it would be a little depressing and, you know, putting together a true crime about some specific event and interviewing all the family and, and that type of thing and photographs and this person who was murdered or, or they disappeared or whatever happened. But, you know, that's something I've kind of thought about and I just, it's kind of at the bottom of my list right now. What about okay? This is from oh, and and then I'm going to excuse myself from I'm not leaving the, the mic. I got to do a quick promo for this, but uh, this is from a young lady named or young man I don't know named Paris with one R, uh, because oh. next week's guest Paris Alton Bonds will be my will be the lovely guest I have. Next week. So this is from Paris. (laughs) Not Paris, France. Okay. If you do something on television, okay, do you have a main character you would use, like uh, flea market or uh, whatever? You know, they have the flea market murders. You're saying where they have like a... A theme. Yeah, you know, I've actually been thinking about that. They have some really good ones out. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Um, I I don't have one immediate to mind, but that's funny you said the flea market, because I haven't seen one of those yet. Um, I, well, now sure. you've got to go to the bookstore or go to look online and, and find it. I know. There's there's actually, it, it should be really endless. Um uh, that'd be a good thing to sit and brainstorm and do a little research. And who would you want to play your lead? You have all these female actresses. Oh, my goodness. Everybody from 
everybody from Brooke Shields to uh, DJ from Full House. All, all I know. Do, I, um, I, I know. Um, that's a very good question. Um, I think the one that uh, Brooke Shields was in wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, she was the flower. Was it Flower Shop Murders? Because I really yeah. like her, and I think I think there is a a, a better. I don't hate to say better, but there's a different one for her type of personality because she can be really funny, but yet she can be pretty serious. And, you know, I think um, somebody along the lines of Brooke Shields, especially some of these actresses now that are, you know, they were pretty famous in their 30s and now they're in their 40s and the the roles aren't as um, plentiful in the big pictures. Man, they're great in, like you said, these Hallmark, you know, little series. Yeah, I mean, they have the, the good ones can do this. The bad ones right. are like, yeah, I'm too big for the celebrity. Yeah. But what, what I'm going to, okay, you have, you've been a consulting criminologist and you have a degree in police forensics and things like that. Have you ever thought of just breaking down what you do and putting it in a novel more or not? Wow, that's a really great question. Um, you mean kind of basic? I try. I have my own sometimes. <laughs> no, that, that really is. It's interesting. I, you know, I don't think about me myself like that very often. I'm always creating these characters in my mind and, and, um, uh, about a year ago, I was writing down, trying to get some PR stuff together for someone that was going to be, you know, helping me. And she's like, you need to just write down, you know, what's, what would your perfect job be and what's your background? So I actually made lists like what you were saying and broke things down. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's a lot of things here that could be used, you know, not only for PR for me personally, but um, for a character, but it, I don't know. It feels kind of funny <laughs> when you kind of put yourself in there like that, or it does to me. But that's a really interesting idea. So you're saying, how about Jennifer, little little town Jennifer? You know, there's a murder in her neighborhood, so they go and uh, somehow she gets involved because she's got this background and she helps the police solve the case. <laughs> Jennifer, a little, yeah, little Jennifer's good, yeah. Let's go have a little Jennifer yourself. You know, what are you doing here? Oh, little Jennifer's here. Oh, she was in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of nosing around, walking the dog. <laughs> nosing around, walking the dog, and she solves the case, and the cop goes, yeah, right, lady, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, there's the dog again. Hey, don't 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 hassle my dog. Well, you know he's funny. It's like since we since we've moved, you know, there's a lot of changes, and the way our front of the house is, he can see everybody walking by, you know, and it's it's a really neat neighborhood, and so people have been out walking a lot, and. Uh, he has to like give his couple barks. Like it's not like, "Hey, who are you?" It's like, "Hey, I'm here. I like you. I want to meet you." He's just got a big mouth. <laughs> He's just a loud boy. Well, we okay. met another big. Let, dog. Me ask, yeah. let me. This is from uh, Davis, and Davis asked this Davis. question here. Davis, yes. I don't know if it's his first name or last name, but he says Davis. I was going to say that's a that's a great name for a character if that's a first name. Well, I don't know. Steal it. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I'm <laughs> I that's the the question. Where do you get your characters' names and ideas? Well, the character names character names have always been probably the, one of the toughest things for me. In fact, um, sometimes you want more, um, you know, more recent names like you know uh, Tyler and Jordan and things like and names like that. But sometimes 
you want more old-fashioned names, names that were popular, you know, 100 years ago. And I have this book. I bought a, a paperback used book. I don't know. It's probably 25 years old. And it's a book of baby names. And it's so great to thumb through it. I mean, you can go online and probably look at names too. But um, I have this poor, pitiful paperback that I'll thumb through because you have a tendency to kind of keep picking names with the same, beginning the same letter, and uh, or at least I do. And it's great to go through there to pull up names because, you know, you want your bad guy to have a, a good name or kind of a little bit different or uh, or at least you're hiding bad guy that nobody knows they're the they're the killer yet. Yeah. But um Just don't give me I'll, my I'll name, write okay? I'm sorry, what was that? I said just don't give him my name. I love your name. Thank That's you. That's one of those names. Yes. But I know if I put one Do in my book you'll be like Clyde, Jennifer. You remember Clyde Kressler and his books? Yes. Have you ever thought of becoming a character in, we were kidding about it, but being a character in your own book some way? Well, you know, actually all the characters, aren't they a little bit, you know, part of that writer? <laughs> but um, actually kind of. Like yeah. used him as a as character in his own book for about two or three books. Yeah. So, That's right. I mean, it wasn't, you know. That's, that's your, interesting. Your well, you know, you have, to, hero. you have to be um, interesting enough um, not to, not Darling, to put anyone down. But <laughs> I'm just, it's weird to write about. I think what it is for me, it's kind of strange to write about yourself, you know. Um, but I'll tell you, if they make a movie out of my book, I would love to have a little tiny part in it. <laughs> so, so you want to be, so you want to be in your own book. Um, I guess technically, sure. That was that, that was like uh, the woman that the woman that wrote Bones, uh, the books was in one of the last episodes of the series. Oh, right. And so that I mean, was on, they, they, that series was on for a while. It was on for what, ten years, seven, seven, ten years? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it, it seemed a, like it was, it was on a for. Good show. I liked yeah, it see, at I first, and I, I think after a while, it just kind of got boring to me. I mean, I like the characters, and I, I like the actors that were in it. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you have to know, I think you have to know when it's enough. And I think that's with, even with book series, you know, how do you know when to end it and do you end it with a bang or do you just let, let them go, let your characters go off and live happily ever after? Oh, sheesh. Why didn't you just take one of the characters you had, kill him off and have, the new character or one of the other characters is tech. Take over? Like, yeah. take over well, and, okay. and just keep, keep on going. That's an idea. Character, character A is popular and wonderful. And then you know that, that character A has got a limited time for some reason or another. And character B, which you've used in other books, you, you, you use and character A ha, it meets an unfaithly death. I didn't say how. And you get character B to solve it, and character B now is doing it, and character B say right. introduced so, in, in, Well, wouldn't that? I mean, for some people, wouldn't they be really readers? Wouldn't they be really mad and not want to read anymore because you you killed off that character? Yeah, but I don't know. It, it would increase the the viability of the character, I think, myself. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you could have the character die, and everybody's like, why did you do it? You know, 
who what was the motive, you know, whatever. I mean, well, and then Google, you could we, add you can add an extra level of suspense is that they, however they died, um, there was you didn't find the body, whether it was a car going off the cliff and there was nothing left of the car, whatever, um, you know, you could always have it maybe open. Where did they die? Did they not die? As I said, I was talking. Earlier to, to the, I was talking earlier. I was reading about to Max Allen Collins, and the he took over from Chester Gould, and of course Dick Tracy was injured in a car accident during the Gould period, and you know they all thought he was dead, and you know killing off Dick Tracy, come on. I mean, right. Dick Tracy is, you know, it's like killing off Superman. You never kill yeah. off Superman. <laughs> That's right. You can hurt him. You can break his arm, his leg, whatever, but you never kill him. No, nope. you can send him into a depression for a while, too, and they could be reclusive until they decide to come out into the world again. Do you think, maybe I'm wrong on this, but do you think, you know, since it is there a lot more forensic criminologists and out there to solve the solve a case of say one of your characters demises? Um you mean in real life or in fictional life? In real life. In, in fictional life, um, I don't mean real It's, you know, but it's your funny. Books are, your okay. books are real to me anyway, so I know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's funny with criminologists, there's uh, what a lot of people don't know. They think of a criminologist, you know, being that person that's helping law enforcement solve a murder case. A criminologist can be just a person who deals with statistics. Um, they don't necessarily um, uh, they're not necessarily a person that uh, works on a case. Um, so me personally, I don't think there's enough of them. Um, I think these type of people, since they're not law enforcement, I think they add to investigations, especially if there's some cases that they're having trouble solving or if it's a serial case of some type. Um, I don't think there's enough of them, quite honestly. I know there's people who get degrees and people who take classes. Um, I have a master's in it, so I had to write a lot of papers. Um, ooh, that just makes me shiver now. But I had to write a lot of papers, and my area kind of came out where uh, dealing with like I would say my expertise is more in predatory behavior, which can fall in a lot of different categories and uh, um, goes into a little bit of, you know, psychology and the criminal mind and things like that. So I don't think there's enough of them. That's just me personally. Um, in books, in fictional books, I think uh, a lot of times authors kind of put a lot of different um, – Sorry, the uh, postman comes and <laughs> he's downstairs and I'm upstairs. So, but anyways, I think a lot of times, you know, when you're writing a character, you kind of put several different um, um, kind of, you know, different, you'll put a detective and there'll be a criminologist as well, or there'll be, you know, they know a lot about, you know, chemistry and forensics. I think we have a tendency to put, you know, several different jobs under one character because it makes it more interesting, I think. Particularly got you into writing detective fiction. I, can't I have mystery fiction, not really detective. Well, mystery, I, I've always loved them ever since I was a little kid. I mean, everything from Nancy Drew to Scooby Doo. I mean, that was last year. Right, yeah. 
but um, no, I've always just loved mysteries. I, I've loved, you know, um, just trying to figure stuff out, trying to see what fits, what doesn't fit. I like puzzles too. I mean, actual jigsaw puzzles, but I do like, I'll be out on a walk. This is an example. I'll be out on a walk and I'll walk by the same place, you know, a million times. And then I'll look and I think, wow, wonder why that is, you know, what, why is the fence like that? Was that because, you know, it's like, I'm always asking questions like, why is that like that? Or, you know, I've, you know, I'm always curious, the curious mind. So, uh, and it's a lot of well, fun I'm putting gonna, a mystery I'm together. I'm going to ask you a question that may throw the curious mind a little out of whack. Who's your favorite Uh-oh. fictional detective? I'm sorry, what was that? Who's your favorite fictional detective? Oh. There's too well, many. There's so many. That's a really tough question, but I go back yeah, and I, I, and I have I so, so many. I mean, of course, who doesn't love Sherlock Holmes? But I really love Agatha Christie. And I think, you know, a lot of times, I mean, I read so many books and great characters. I love some of the new characters and it seems like I'm always discovering a new one. But, you know, I always go back to like Miss Marple and, you know, and just those, those Agatha Christie characters and how clever, how so clever she was at putting those stories together. So, I well, mean, just... Okay. I'm going to answer Dana's question here. Who's my favorite? The 87th Precinct. <laughs> Yay for oh. the 87th. Okay. And, and, and the, my, the favorite villain is the Death Man. Just in case you're going, somebody's next question is going to be that or message me, the question is going to be that. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, he he is the he's the Moriarty to, to their home. Right. I mean, oh wait. That's right. And uh, that's right. And I, you know, I love the eighty-seven. It's not that I don't love you, darling, but I love the eighty-seven. And I gotta, t- I gotta put a plug in for my voice. <laughs> oh no problem. I mean, there are definite books that just you know characters that definitely you know, uh, make an impression. And you notice those were written in the, the, you know, like 1959, 1958, 1960 to 1975. So they didn't have the forensic, if I could say it, I'll be really good. Forensic that we have today. I mean, today, uh, you know, there's so much CSI around and and right. NCIS with all the investigations. I mean, there it was pure shoe leather and detective work. It's not. I'm not doubting you as a novelist or as doubting you this, but you know, you know, it was. We have so much forensics in today's in uh, books. And then they yes. just were straight detective. Yeah, I love that. Do you think I was? You love that. Could somebody give you the honor of reiterating the eighty seventh precinct, or have you thought of going back and doing something like that? No, I haven't. I haven't really thought about that. But you're right. You know. The older, you know, like you say, we see nothing but all the CSI stuff, and I think we get kind of blinded to it with, like, all this technology and how fast it is and or it isn't, um, that we forget that, you know, people going out, running down every clue, and I think uh, you have to work harder. You have to pay more attention to someone you're talking to or the crime scene itself rather than, well, they'll come in and they'll dust for prints and anything else we find here. Um, I think it is important. I think it's very clever, too, because um, it's a different way of of presenting it, presenting the case. 
Because people, we make mistakes. We don't see things. And it's amazing how many things that that people don't see. Mm -hmm. They just like, oh, I didn't notice that. (laughs) But do you think somebody could reiterate the old way? I say the old way. The 87th Precinct, uh, I don't mean Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes was a great detective. Right. Well, you mean like kind of like the old gumshoe, almost like private, you know, private detective kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Spencer. Spencer is like the old detective's hurrah. (laughs) Robert, let me refresh myself. The Robert B. Parker Spencer. Love, not, love not him. You loathe him or love him? No, I love him. He was uh, amazing. The dialogue, you can learn a lot about writing dialogue from him. And from Robert what Parker. did you learn? Well, I started writing screenplays before I really started writing, you know, full length uh, novels. And Mm -hmm. one of the things you learn with screenwriting is it's all about action and dialogue. And you have to be able to write dialogue, how it really sounds, not in complete sentences. Like you have an English professor looking over your shoulder. And with Robert Parker, it's like, if you, if you, if you really look, if you've never read him, look at his dialogue. They're just like three words. You know, it's just, um, I love Jesse Stone series. Um, it's one of my favorites. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters. Um, but the dialogue is just very simple and very like, you know, quick and no fluff, just basically what someone's thinking, just not going into a monologue. And there's almost like a a rhythm to it. And in writing screenplays, you have to be more like that, unless there's a reason for a person to give a speech or a monologue. But um, if you want to write real lean and crisp with your dialogue and, you know, the action and really move the story along, you can learn a lot from Robert Parker's dialogue. He was the master well, I'm, at, at I'm, the dialogue. I, of course, I'm a Spencer fan myself. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, I, and he I, was, I he was amazing. Why. He took the buddy thing, the I spy kind of buddy thing with him and Hawk, yeah. and it was that, that way, you know. And then he decided yes. to branch out and give you other characters that didn't that was, it was the, the, it was a, still the, I say the I spy kind of dialogue. You know, you had uh, Six Killer and, and Spencer and you had, you know, all the other, Spencer was still there, but you had, he had, he kept seeing friends and friends were doing it because Hawk was in uh, Bahamas or, or Mediterranean or whatever or on another thing. And so, they did that. Have you thought of doing that? Say, teaming up two of your characters. Take them to another whole different location and and bring in, like like you said, <clears throat> they have a friend in, like, the Bahamas, and, and then continuing the story with that. Is that what you mean? No, what I mean is, like... Um, Say you had Dick Tracy and Sam Spade together in a book. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, take two of your characters. Say right. you had a, a character in book A and a character in book B. And you teamed them well, together yeah, for... I, I actually have yeah. thought about that. I, I do have a series with a very, very... Um, quirky, almost nerdy forensic guy, and he's a consultant, and uh, kind of strange but likable, um, and I thought about, but he's really, you know, I try to make him as brilliant as I can, as much as I can, but he, 
sees things completely, he'll go into a room and see things completely different than you or I would see. Um, and I thought that he would be a fun character to bring into, you know, one of my more police procedural or detective because he's kind of strange. And so he doesn't relate well <laughs> to people all the time. And uh, I thought that would be kind of fun to bring them together. I mean, he and collects sure. like dirt specimens. Okay. So, you know, he's, <laughs> you know, you know, he's, he's not, the big partying, hunky, good-looking guy. He's just kind of a little scientist guy. Well, hey, think of CSI, you know. But, okay, let let me ask you, what is your current book? I want to make sure we get that promoted twice before I leave. Your current book. it is... It, the current book is Flowers on Her Grave, and that's a Detective Katie Scott thriller. Um, it is out now, and you can, you know, there's also two previous books, but that's the latest. I'm working on the fourth one now. It's actually going to my editor's desk, so there'll be more in the series. In case you, you enjoy it, there'll be more coming up. Okay, but Flowers on Her Grave, Flowers there. I can say it three times fast. But <laughs> say it three times. What I'm, yeah, watch me curve over my tongue each time. Um now let me um, okay. That's the new one. Do you have anything else coming out soon? Uh later in the year I'll I I I'm not sure what the, the timeline is, but I will have an Emily Stone novella coming out called The Case of Vengeance. And um, like I said, the next book in this series will be out in October, which is uh, uh, Last Girls Alive, uh, the uh, Katie Scott thriller. So there'll be things. You can go to my website or my blog website, which is authorjenniferchase.com, and I'll have anything new coming up. You can look at some of the old stuff, pretty much get information there. Leave me a message, say hi. No. (laughs) Yeah, I'm waving. Okay, All as long as you're waving. Okay, you're gonna hopefully hopefully a copy of this show will be there so you can listen to this lovely lady and the, the idiot. Ah, uh, I can say Aww. I'm an idiot. You can you can listen to the lovely lady and she has some great ideas and she really does. Um. I'm wondering why Hollywood hasn't snatched her out, but that's my that's my take on that. Well, good. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take that portion of the interview and just have it playing on Facebook. <laughs> I'm I I any time I'll 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 say yes. I don't care. I mean, I love it. To me, it's fun. Let, let I, it you have you, you uh, Bennett. Bennett, you have the best questions, and it makes me stop and think, and they're just really creative, too, and I, I love that. Well, I also have great I have great listeners on the show, and, of course, sometimes this show also, this podcast goes over everywhere. Uh, I mean, I was in a supermarket recently, and somebody said, oh, you're the one that interviewed her. Oh, yeah, wow, that's I'm great. It scares you when you're in line at, at Safeway or or Giant, and you're alone, and you're you know in your <laughs> wheelchair alone, and you're trying to do this stuff, and and then they say, "Oh yeah, you're him." Yeah, I'm him. Okay, and you want to just sort of close the ground above you, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, have you ever had that? I don't mean close the ground, but you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> when someone says it's something, like, oh, you're so, no, I'm not. Um, so a couple people have asked me uh, one time, it's like, I think I know you, and they're trying to figure out, and um, it's not just about I look familiar. They were trying to figure out how they knew me, and, and it turned out that uh, one of them actually had read my stuff, and that was really amazing to me. But most of the time, no, I, um, people, 
people usually don't say that to me, which is fine. I don't mind being a little anonymous um, as long as my books are in uh, uh, front and center. Well, okay. Um, have you thought, and this is from David. Now, David? David, okay. He wants to, uh, David J., he says. David J., okay. David J., yeah, Bubba J., David, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But he wants to know if, you know, that I had, he said, I had an idea of teaming up some of your characters. Have you ever teamed up some of your characters? Um, you mean from different books? Yeah. Uh, I haven't yet, but that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing with the uh, novellas is kind of bringing them uh, different characters, you know, could just be for one case or one assignment, but I have been thinking about it. That's a good question. Thank you, David J. Thank you. Oh, my God. So <laughs> Actually, everyone's had really great questions. Hey, well, you know, I never try to come with empty deck. You know that. <laughs> Every time I've interviewed you, you, you're the one that told me about your, not this show, but a couple of shows ago when I had this show, and you told me about your new book, and I was so thrilled with it. I was like, I wanted oh, to good. write a blurb for it. It was that good. Now, oh, th- do, you, do you... Go ahead. No, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But do fans give you... Um, why don't you do this mystery? It's in our town or something or, or anything? I haven't heard that. Um uh, no, what actually, I take that back. I, I have heard that, especially with uh, Emily Stone. They go, oh, wouldn't it be neat if she was, you know, had to come over to, like, you know, somewhere in a European country or uh, in the Midwest. I have heard that. And so, you know, I think I'm going to expand her, uh, my Emily Stone series a little bit because she could do that. Something would bring her to another state. So I have actually moved to another state, so it can happen. <laughs> I know, but but wouldn't the other state have rules or something that you had to govern yourself by? I mean, if you oh, you mean actually York, make yeah, make it um. Uh, well, with Emily Stone, she is a, a vigilante detective. She's not affiliated with any police department, so she could actually, you know, go to other states. As far as um, my character now in this series. Uh, Detective Katie Scott, she um, yeah, that's what she I could thinking. be asked. Yeah, she could be asked by since she's in California, she could be asked maybe by you know the FBI for assistance. You never know, and that could take her okay. to another area. Okay, now let me ask I, I, two to one. You've done the research on this. Um, do you think? that the FBI or the police would ask a, a police officer, any male, female, or whatever, to go over and help them at all? Or do they do that? At- the only time that it could possibly happen, and most people wouldn't know about it, by the way, would be if they had worked on a case in their own jurisdiction that was maybe a huge, maybe a serial case or something like that. And if, you know, if the FBI actually did the research and this person kind of came up because, oh, they solved the XX, you know, murder or whatever, they might invite somebody as a consultant to help or take a look at their case. It is possible. I think personally they should. I think, I think <laughs> there's a lot of really smart, brilliant people out there working on cases that we never hear about, but people within the industry know um, when certain cases are closed. It's possible. It's one of those artistic licenses. Yeah, but okay. Say the case was supposedly solved 10 or 15 years ago. 
and I'm not trying to, I'm trying to give you ideas for this and any other writers out there listen and maybe you'll, no, <laughs> I was going to say listen, maybe you'll listen. Um, okay. The case was solved 10 years ago, but then somebody copies the uh, motorcycle. Copycat. Yeah. Yeah. Copycat. And by the way, this is just, I'm going to throw this out there. There's a lot more copycats on cases than you think. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, hey, you're you're the expert on that. <laughs> I, I'm only a critic and a writer and a reader. So I know. And you you know, and I I look at your stats and things like that and your books and since you hold certifications and everything in in uh, serial crime and criminal profiling God, I mean, how many TV shows and movies and everything else? Like, I almost say, introduce Jennifer Chase or somebody else to do that, and I'm amazed with it. Now, does that, and I'm meaning through you, but does that, if you see somebody that does something like, say, Jagged Edge, and gets the criminal profiling wrong, or gets the... Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Come on, come I, I, I want to hear it. I, I see things, and, you know, I know they do have consultants. I would hope so. But, yeah, I see things wrong. And I even see things wrong when people are, like, holding a holding a weapon, too. And it's like, didn't somebody teach them, you know? Uh, there's a few things. But things are getting a lot better. I have to say they must have better consultants or people are just educating themselves and becoming more aware of it. Yeah, the profiling kind of bugs me <laughs> for the most part. People ask me when Criminal Minds was just, everybody was watching Criminal Minds, and they go, oh, you must watch that. I go, I really like the actor, but I don't like the show. And I just leave it at that. <laughs> so some of them, it bugs me. When you mean some, I mean, do you mean like 10% off the top or are you No, I don't know because I haven't watched a lot of them. I I don't watch a lot of the series. Some of them will come to my attention that I didn't know about. Um, And uh, people go, oh, did you watch this? And and, I think it's higher than 10%. They they need to understand it. But I know some of the reasons why they – do things incorrectly is because if they did it the way it's supposed to be done, we can't wait that long. You know, it's not, it's just like when they get their fingerprint IDs, I'm sorry, it doesn't happen in three and a half seconds. Um, I know I've, <laughs> I've worked in a lab before. So I, <laughs> there's just certain things that they do for artistic license and to make it more entertaining. And so I think they have to balance between a hundred percent dead accuracy to entertainment. That's exactly. unfortunately the way they have to do it. Well, do you think there's ever going to be a show that has totally accurate, even criminal minds, I think does. Mm. Um, I think they can be pretty close. I think it can be done, and I think it just takes a little bit more um, creativity from the writers and the storyline to be able to, you know, uh, if you're using, you know, things correctly and how it's really done, then you just have to be that much more um, uh, making the storyline that much more interesting, I think. I think that would help balance it out. but I always think your books are Hey, they didn't ask they didn't ask me. <laughs> so, I'm just teasing. No, they should. You, you know, you are a talented <laughs> and and viable talent. They should listen to you more often. Uh, well, you know, they think of someone that. who writes, well, you know, when you write fiction even though you understand these concepts, you know, in real life, they still put you under that oh, well, you write fiction, you write make-believe. So it kind of puts a little dark cloud over you a little bit, I think. Well, let me let <laughs> me do a little homework because I want to get back to that in a minute. Uh, on the 18th, yes, the 18th, 
I have the lovely Paris Alton Bonds in the hot seat discussing writing and everything else. On the 25th, I have Dina Remmel, and she is also a writer, and, and she's got a new book coming up. And on the 9th, yeah, we're off the 2nd, so you guys can take off the weekend, you know. Make it a seven-day weekend, whatever. And on the 9th, Michelle Prince will be talking everything she does, and she does a heck of a lot. Okay? Now, let me get back to a question that's been here on my screen and annoying the hell out of me. (laughs) And somebody said, have you ever thought of writing a true crime book? Most definitely. Um, But I shy away from it just because there's actually a couple of cases uh, of where I used to live that um, I probably could uh, put together a pretty good book based on one of the crimes there. Um, But, man, I tell you, I have a lot of respect for people who do true crime. It's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time away from – you know, my fictional work. So I need to learn balance. If somebody has any tips for me (laughs) on how to balance these and get more done, I'm open to it. Thank you, Jennifer Chase, for the the hour and the time you're spending here. Uh, Give me the the book that's out right now. I do know it, but you give it to me and tell this audience where they can get them. It's Flowers on Her Grave, and it is out everywhere where books and ebooks and audiobooks are sold. It's a Detective Katie Scott thriller. Um, and like I said, I believe that they, uh, they're running a special on the first book in the series. So if you happen to like this one, you know, there's two other ones before it. And thank you so much, Bennett, for having me on the show. And I love all the questions from people that, that wrote in. Mm-hmm. Emailed in whatever Pony or Express. Email or yeah. Even Pony Express, right? But please, I I will say this: be well always. Oh, the other thing thank also you, you is, is is keep posting those pictures of your dog. He looks so cute. Put him in the water <laughs> next time. I will. He'll have his little water wings on. <laughs> and if you did, Jennifer Chase has a lovely website, and the website is? This is your it's team. Author, <laughs> authorjenniferchase.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. Okay. Everybody, good night. Be well. Fly right. Stay safe. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.